subtitle is made possible in part by a major grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities, Exploring the Human Endeavor. Hub and Spoke. Audio Collective. You may have heard of Anietta Felsko. She's one of the singers of ABBA, who in the headlines recently made a comeback album. Anietta's the one with the blonde hair. ABBA, of course, sang all their songs in English. But Anietta Felsko got her start with hits like this. This song reached number three on the Swedish charts in 1970. The key lyric goes something like, and this is a loose translation, it goes, I'd be a millionaire if tears were made of gold. It wasn't an international hit like those ABBA songs that followed a few years later, but the tune was taken up in a really big way, right next door to Sweden, in Denmark. The lyrics were translated and a bit rewritten, so they worked in Danish, and it became a hit all over again. The song became something of a standard in Denmark. It was covered many times there, including, and this is a bit weird for me to say, by me. Here's what happened. I was at college in Denmark, and I was acting in a play. The character I was playing was, as far as I remember, an unhappy, wannabe rich guy. I think he was on a beach flirting with a woman. Anyway, he starts singing a few lines from this song, which is what I did. That's not me. I had no backing bone. But you get the idea. When we performed the play, the audience loved the singing. It was so incongruous to them that a foreigner was singing this oh-so-Scandinavian song. At the time, I didn't speak much Danish. It was tough learning my lines. But the song, I got that down really quickly. Singing Danish words was just easier than speaking them. Well, that was the start of my love affair with singing in languages other than English. Not that you're going to hear any of it, but as well as Danish, which I now speak reasonably well, I've also tried my hand at songs in Chinese, French, German, behind closed doors, but still. Wen Hao Tian, she's an artist here in Boston. She's more adventurous than me. She also learns to sing in other languages, including languages she doesn't speak at all. And she actually records the result. This is a religious chant in Sanskrit. A friend is coaching Wen Hao. Same with this song, which is partly in Dutch and partly in Bahasa Indonesia. I watch Wen Hao. She's learning to sing this. It's strangely moving. 
Even though I know nothing about the song, I don't understand the lyrics. In fact, it was after I spent some time watching Wen Hao learn songs that I decided to devote an episode on why she does it, why we do it. To figure out what's going on when we sing, when we sing in our mother tongue and in other languages. Also, of course, I had to teach Wen Hao one of my favorite songs. From Quiet Jews and the Linguistic Society of America, this is Subtitle, stories about languages and the people who speak them. I'm Patrick Cox. Shall I come back again to you? Thank you, Patrick. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Wen Hao. My pleasure. <laughs> Wen Hao Tian was born in Taiwan and has lived in the U.S. for 33 years. My parents used to visit me from Taiwan. And the first thing they would do when they arrive is to take the subway and go to Chinatown. They'd go to a grocery store in Chinatown and buy a ton of food. Wen Hao remembers the last time they did this, not long before her father died. I was in my apartment and it was getting dark. So I look out the window. I saw two old people, both of them carried as many bags as they can possibly carry on both hands. She knew it was her parents because of the bags. That Chinese grocery store, like many others, used red plastic bags. So like a gigantic balloon on both hands. So that's my kind of last memory of my parents visiting me from far away. And the image of them carrying many, many red plastic bags. So I have a feeling for for the bags. Wen Hao filed this away in her mind for years. Recently, she was commissioned to assemble an exhibit at the Pow Arts Center in Boston's Chinatown, just a couple of blocks from where her parents would shop for groceries. She started thinking about the red bags again. And so for the exhibit, she made a dress out of about 35 of those bags, stitched and branded together in the style of a gown that you might wear to a fancy party, a very crinkly gown. The dress became a focal point of the exhibit. You can interpret it a million ways, as a symbol of Chinatowns all over the world, of Chinese migration and commerce, as the color of blood or of communism, or just Chinese people's favorite color. For Wen Hao, though, the crinkly red dress evokes the memory of her parents and their visits to her adopted homeland. Tinged with sadness, for sure, but she's also turned the memory into a party accessory. Wen Hao's exhibit is called Home on Our Backs. It's about living away from your homeland, your Chinese homeland, its shapes, its smells, its tastes. But what about the sound of the homeland? Wen Hao wanted to explore that too, and to go beyond Chinese culture and language. She started inviting people from as many parts of the world as she could find to teach her a song from their past, usually their childhood. 
In addition to the Dutch Indonesian song and the Sanskrit chant, there was a French song. J'ai demandé à la lune et le soleil ne le sait pas. Je lui ai montré mes brûlures et la lune s'est moquée de moi. Also, a shaker song. And the happy birthday song in Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese, which Wen Hao now considers far superior to any other version. Three, two, one. Parabéns pra você nesta data querida. Muito felicidades, muitos anos de vida. That was fun. After the break, Wen Hao's biggest challenge yet a Mozart aria, sung to her by a true maestra. And from the sublime to the schoolyard, my song for Wen Hao. Subtitle has launched a newsletter. And you really need to subscribe. It's a quick read, but a quality read. We round up language-related stories in the news. We have sneak peeks of upcoming episodes. We tell you about other podcasts we're listening to. We also ask you to tell us about the podcast you're listening to, plus some other fun things like words we really ought to have in English but don't, and some fabulously ridiculous sentences produced by multiple rounds of Google translating. Each edition is a five-minute read. There'll be a new one out every two weeks or fortnightly, if that's your thing. You can subscribe by going to our website, subtitlepod.com newsletter. That's subtitlepod.com slash newsletter. Singing is enhanced communication. This is William Beeman, Emeritus Professor of Anthropology at the University of Minnesota. He says singing may involve mouthing a succession of words, just like speaking, but it's not, not even closely, the same as speaking. When you sing, when you break into song, uh, you're actually overflowing with emotional feeling. Beeman knows this in a personal way. As well as his academic career, he was also an opera singer for a time. Yes, that's him. When we are breaking into song, perhaps it is true that we're less inhibited because we're doing something that we actually probably can't do very well in words. Words, in fact, get in the way. Beeman says we were much better off, inhibition-wise, before we had many words. Little kids are wonderful. You can get them to do anything. You tell them, you know, uh, go be a bunny rabbit and hop around, and they'll they'll do it without any inhibition at all. By the time they get to be about eight or nine years old, they start to think, well, maybe I don't look so cool, you know. I don't. Maybe I. Maybe people are going to be judging me. 
And so learning to sing can be a bit like learning to become a young child again. The first thing that a vocal teacher has to do in order to be able to get a person to sing is to kind of regress them to the time when they were four or five years old and uh, could sing freely and openly without any inhibition. It's similar for language learners. Infants and preschoolers pick up language fast. In multilingual settings, they'll pick up more than one language fast. When the words come out a bit wrong, adults just laugh and think it's cute. Compare that to when we try to learn languages later in life. Most people don't understand that almost nobody speaks grammatically. <laughs> almost nobody, it, even within their native language. But when you're learning a second language, you oftentimes are really inhibited. You're afraid you're going to make mistakes. So you tend to be shy about speaking to other people. I remember a person who was learning English. They said, you know, I don't understand it, but after I've had a few beers, I really speak English a whole lot better. Well, the reason is because the alcohol lowers inhibitions and it makes it easier to be more fluent. It's also true if you've had a few beers, maybe you're more ready to sing something. Do we want to learn the whole song? No, maybe just teach me a part that you think I can learn. Great, okay. So I think that We're at Boston's POW Art Center for another session of Wen Hao Tian's Teach Me Your Song project. We're in a room surrounded by some of Wen Hao's art, including the dress made out of red plastic bags. This time, it's the Mozart aria from The Marriage of Figaro. Wen Hao's teacher is Susie Hamill. She hasn't sung opera for a long time, she tells Wen Hao, but you could have fooled me. Susie explains the context of this moment in the opera. A countess is waking up at dawn, realizing her marriage is over and her life changed forever. So let's just say it like, for G amor, for G amor, qual te restore, qual te restore. Yeah, perfect. There we go. That's it. A few more rehearsals and then. And off they go again. A few minutes before this, as Susie was having Wen Hao do breathing exercises, something quite startling happened. With Wen Hao's permission, Susie put on the plastic bag dress. Wen Hao said it'll add to the performance. She was right. For one thing, you could hear it as Susie moved about in it. You, your posture is perfect, like, and so, and you're opening. Before Susie leaves, Wen Hao asks her to sing more of the aria, not just the first couple lines that she learned. No problem, says Susie. No inhibitions from anyone here. Morning, morning, 
I should really end the episode here, right? But what the heck? I had my song to teach Wen Hao too. I wasn't consciously trying to return to a pre-inhibition infantile state, but the song I chose was something I learned when I was very young. Okay, so this song, it's a song that is shrouded in mystery. I did a little bit of research on this yesterday, and people on both sides of the Atlantic have claimed it as their own. And it's a sort of playground song. I loved it. I always knew it from as long as I could remember. I tell Wen Hao that a band from London called The Boys did a punk version. And I was so taken by it that I mimicked it and sang it myself in front of an audience when I was pretending to be a punk rocker. Do you need a rock band? The way that it works is that you sing it twice. The first time you sing it, you sing it kind of slowly without a rock band. And the second time, you sing it super fast punk style. And you kind of shout it. All right. All right, so should we sing it? Can we sing it together? Yes. That's my wife, Jackie Mao, who's been exposed to this song a lot over the years. Nobody likes me, everybody hates me, just because I eat worms. Short, fat, hairy ones, long, tall, skinny ones, see how the little ones squirm. Bite all the heads off, suck all the juice out, throw the empty skins away. Nobody likes me, everybody hates me, cause I eat worms all day. Two, three, four! Nobody likes me, everybody hates me, just cause I eat worms. Short, fat, hairy ones, long, tall, skinny ones, see how the little ones squirm. Bite all the heads off, suck all the juice out, throw the empty skins away. Nobody likes me, everybody hates me, because I eat worms all day. Who loves me? <laughs> Don't you like song? I love it. It's very, it's very profound. Can we sing it again? Nobody no, we... likes me, everybody hates me, just because I eat worms. Short, fat, hairy ones, long tail, skinny ones, see how the little no, ones swim. Yeah. Bite all their heads off, suck all the juice out, throw the empty skins away. Nobody likes me, everybody has me, because I eat worms all day. There you go. Very nice. I'll take that. We should have worms. We should have worms. I should have brought worms. You should have gummy worms. Gummy worms. Gummy worms. That was fun. I'll post links to Wen Hao Tian's exhibit and to her Teach Me a Song project which is ongoing, by the way. I'll post all of that in the show notes. And in case those links don't survive on the podcast platform you use, you'll be able to find them at our website, subtitlepod.com. That's also where to head to for the transcript, where I'll post a ton of photos. There are some really good ones. One more time, subtitlepod.com. Wen Hao, by the way, has made another red dress. She says it's inspired by the recent election for mayor here in Boston. The new mayor is Michelle Wu, the daughter of Taiwanese immigrants. She's the first non-white, the first Asian mayor of Boston, also the first female mayor of Boston. And who knows, maybe one day she'll wear that red plastic bag dress. Or maybe when how will, at a mayoral ball. Either way, I'll make sure there are pictures. Thanks to everyone who sang in this episode. Peter Crawley, Sahel Kyoris Chang, Claudia Fix. Dia Ghosh, Susie Hamill, and Peggy Marteza. 
Thanks also to Ian Sexton, Warren Patterson, and Casey Curry for technical support, to Alison Reed and everyone at the Linguistic Society of America, and Alison Shaw. One last special thanks to whoever composed the Worm Song. Though you've long since left this earthly paradise, I hope you're happy that your magnificent oeuvre lives on. Subtitle is a member of the Hub and Spoke Podcast Collective. It's worth checking out all of the other Hub and Spoke podcasts. Just going to mention one here, Rumble Strip, which tells extraordinary stories about ordinary people. If you haven't heard the recent episode, Finn and the Bell, stop what you're doing right now and check it out. I haven't heard a heartbreaking story like this told so grippingly and movingly and respectfully quite some time. For Rumblestrip and all of the Hub and Spoke podcasts, go to hubspokeaudio.org. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Subscribe to our newsletter and see you in a couple of weeks. Subtitle is made possible in part by a major grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities, exploring the human endeavor. Hub and Spoke. Audio Collective.